Welcome, uh, my name is Matt. Uh, hopefully you're having a little uh, less gross morning uh, than that uh, and a weekend. It's been a great weekend. Uh, I love this time of year. It's a confluence of amazing things that happened and it all kind of came together from yesterday. I went to my first crawfish boil. Boil, is that what it's called? It was amazing. Uh, it the, tasted great. Uh, the, the weather, the, have you ever eaten a crawfish before? It's really disturbing when you think about it, and you're looking, like, making eye contact with your food, but breaking it apart. It was just a great experience. The weather was amazing yesterday. I sat outside. I watched golf. The opening week of baseball, this, it's just been a great week. God is very, very good. Hopefully, you're enjoying your weekend uh, as well. We're glad that you're here. My name is Matt. I think I said that. I'm one of the pastors here. Hopefully, you got a worship folder that tells you all about what's happening here at HFC. And on the inside of it, you'll see, like we heard in the disturbing video earlier, that uh, in two weeks, there's a silent auction, or not a silent auction, it's a pie auction that we have every year. It's a, a huge tradition that we have here where we go to Wilburn Elementary, our sponsor school that's just around the corner. We'll have directions for you. And we go to the school, we eat a free lunch of spaghetti, and we'll just hang out together and have a good time. And we, we auction off these amazing uh, once-in-a-lifetime or once-every-year desserts uh, that are invaluable in price. And all the money goes to help support student ministry events and scholarships and it's just a great afternoon. You're going to go away from that afternoon uh, encouraged about what's happening in students' lives and also uh, with your belly full of amazing dessert. So how can you help out with that? Sign up to come. Uh, you got this little tear-out sheet inside. You just, if you're a guest with us today, just fill that out. We'd love to connect with you. But also you can sign up to come or to make a pie or a dessert, and it'll be a great way to help out our students and, and what they're doing there. Is uh, Miss Hannah... Miss Hannah Banana here this morning. Would you welcome Hannah and her family? Uh, this is Hannah Joy Moreno, and uh, this is her crew, family and friends. Hannah is a very special little girl. Uh, she sometimes comes to our staff meetings and makes everything better uh, at staff meetings. Her smile is infectious, and uh, we just love her so much. We're about to have a, what's called a baby dedication. And why we do this, and, and what's that all about? What is a baby dedication? A baby dedication is, first of all, when you come with your family and your friends, and you recognize a gift. And this little girl is a, that's right, this little girl is a special gift, and when we think about what the scripture tells us about gifts is that every single good gift is from above. And children are probably the best gifts that we can possibly get. And so what you're saying today by coming before family and friends and church is that this is not mine. In a world full of mine, 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 what you guys are saying today is that this gift is from God. And it's basically, thank you, God, for this, this gift. And it's also taking on a covenant with God as well. And in Deuteronomy, it says this. It it's, comes out of the Shema, something that, that Jewish friends will, will say every day. The Lord your God will listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Love him with, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands. 
and I am give, that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're going to school, when you are in the van, when you're going to soccer practice, when you're watching movies. Talk about God all the time. Talk about them when you're on, at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. And what this scripture is all about is, is saying, as a family, we're going to teach and model what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so that's what dedication is all about as well. It's saying we are covenanting, it, covenanting with God and saying this gift is, is from you, and we promise, we promise to raise her after you, and that we, our lives will be models to what it looks like to be a Christ follower. Do you promise to do that? As a church family, do you promise to give this little gift uh, images of what it looks like to be authentic Christ followers in this world? If you promise to do that, would you say we will? Awesome. Tonight, please, please hold Miss Hannah. Oh. This baby never cries, by the way. Can you say hi to everyone? Never, ever, ever. The sweetest little baby in all the land. All right. Yeah. Can you say hi to everyone? I think that was a hi. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you so much for this family. Lord, uh, we are overwhelmed by your generosity, Lord. We are grateful for the things that you've given us, Lord, and the responsibilities that, that we bear. They, they seem sometimes very heavy. And God, we just pray that you would help Andrew and Amanda, Lord, as they endeavor together, Lord, uh, to raise this, this beautiful family after you, Lord, and chasing after you. Lord, I pray that you would help them in the days when it's, when it's not easy, when life throws curveballs. Lord, I pray that they would work together to continually show their kids what it looks like to be authentic in front of you, Lord. God, I ask that you would give them wisdom and guidance in, in raising young Hannah. Lord, I pray that you would help them, Lord, to celebrate her often, Lord. And, Lord, we are so thankful for her. Lord, help us as a church to give all of our kids, Lord, uh, Lord a proper training, Lord, and, and, and teach them well, Lord, not just with uh, scripture and with stories, but with our lives, Jesus. God, we are so thankful today. Lord, we praise you for, for her, and we thank you for her life, Lord. We praise things in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We've got some gifts for you, Miss Hannah, and uh, we're going to give those to you. Would you stand with us right now? And uh, you've got some folks that are around you. Uh, maybe you don't know someone that's around you. Would you take this time to just say hello and uh, greet them?
declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God, and I trust in him. Will you sing with me about this great foundation?
as we continue to worship, I pray that you would shine brightly in this place. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. The ushers are going to come and take um, our tithes and offerings as we continue to worship.
So how good are you at math? Any good? When I was in high school, I thought I was really good at math. I did fairly well in SATs, and I was kind of searching when I got to college what I was going to do for the rest of my life. So I was taking a whole bunch of different things and tried out different classes. I took calculus first semester, about three weeks into calculus. I was like, man, this teacher is not very good. Uh, I am not getting this at all. And so I dropped calculus as I found out you could do college courses. Not that I encourage that. Uh, and I said, you know what, I'll take it again next semester. And better another teacher, switch teachers, Calculus 101 again, about three weeks in, I decided, you know what, I should be a pastor. Uh, I think that's a better way to go. How good are you Are you at math? Have you ever seen that show, uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, before? All right, we've got some fifth grade math questions for you. Are you ready for this? All right, if you've got a pencil, you might need it. This is, this is going to affect you for the rest of the day, how well you do on this little five-question quiz we have. Are you ready? It's going to be fast. I'm going to give you some time. I'll try to read through it. Here's the first one. My Smarty Box has 27 red, green, and pink Smarties. I have twice as many red Smarties as there are pink Smarties, but there are three times as many green Smarties as there are red Smarties. How many more green Smarties are there than red Smarties? Hmm, I'll give you a few seconds. 12, 3, 18, and 9, those are the possibilities. I'm going to, ooh, minds are turning in the room. 10, 15, 17, 18, just trying to mess you up a little bit. Ooh, I'm going to give you, tell your neighbor now what you think it is. It's multiple choice, people. You should always guess C, right, when you don't know. Is that what they, they say? All right, are you ready? Answer number one is actually 12. The answer is 12. How many got that right? Hands in the air. Okay. All right, here's number two. We got four more of these bad boys. One-sixth of the fruit bowl has bananas in it. One-third of the fruit bowl has apples in it. And 12 and 12 or, 12 or, is that or? Of, we'll go with of. One-half of the fruit bowl has pears in it. How many bananas and apples are in the fruit bowl? Hmm. Is it four bananas and six apples, six bananas and four apples, four apples and eight bananas, four bananas and eight apples? Hmm. Got it? Yes? Tell your neighbor now. All right. Here's the correct answer is D, four bananas and eight apples. How many are two for two? One in the house. Fantastic. All right, next one, number three. Number three, what would be the next two numbers in the following sequence? Now you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. One, 1,600, 800, 400, blank or blank. Choose the two that would be next in the sequence. You feel good about this one, don't you? The answer is B, B. I heard an E out there. There's not an E. It's B, okay? <laughs> B. Next one. Michael had 12 CDs and bought six more last week. He gave two away as gifts. How many CDs does Michael have? 12, 14, 16, 8. You got it? Correct answer is 
C. That's right. That's right. All right, last one. Last one. 6 times 10 minus 21 divided by 3 equals. Now, don't jump on this answer. Don't. Is it 33, 53, negative 33, or 18? Ponder through it. Ponder through it. Do you know what it is? Tell your neighbor now. The correct answer is, what is it? It's B, 53. You have to group the two together. Yeah, I know you don't just go down the line of the group, but how well did you do? How well did you do? Five for five? Five for five? How about four for five? Yeah, you better five for five over there. Four for five? How about three? How about we should stop asking from here on? Uh, two, yeah, peace. Uh, well, I don't know how good you did or how, you know, it's been a while since you've had some of those questions, right? You're like, oh, it's been SAT confusing questions. I, 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 you know, I've been reading the uh, Bible this week, as pastors do, and hopefully you have too, and I've noticed something about the Gospels. I don't want to sound sacrilegious, and take that off the board, but I kind of think Jesus' math skills, I kind of question them a little bit. They're a little confusing, to say the least, Okay. If you look at some of the stories that Jesus talks about throughout the Bible, I mean, in Luke 15, he tells the story about a shepherd that leaves 99 sheep and goes after one sheep. That's not very good economics, okay? Leave 99, go after one. I wonder what the 99 were saying that, at that point. We're out in the open country. What happens when you get back? There's 20 of us that are probably not going to be here because of wolves and other things. I don't know if that's a good idea. That's not very good math, Jesus. In Mark chapter 12, there's another story where Jesus goes to the temple, and he begins to watch the people. He's a people watcher, and he sees this widow that's there, and she comes up, and she takes two copper pieces, and she puts it into, in the collection plate. Now, other people have come through, and some very rich people have put a lot of money into the, the, the offering plate. And what Jesus observes is this, what that woman did, she put more in the plate than all of the others. Jesus, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not very good math there, Jesus. What about Matthew 18, when Peter comes up to Jesus and he asks him a question? And it was a common question of the day, how many times should you forgive somebody? I mean, how many times... When somebody does you wrong, how many times should you forgive them? Now, rabbis in the day, they'd kind of come up, they'd had this discussion, and many of them at the time, they decided, you know what, the number is three. Three times you should forgive someone. Well, Peter comes up and he says, well, how many times should we forgive Jesus? And he does a little math in his head as well, and he says, three, let's just double that, because Jesus is very, you know, Jesus-y, and so three times two is six, let's just add one for good measure. How about seven times, Jesus? Should we forgive seven times? And, and what was Jesus' response? He says, and some scholars say it's 77. Jesus said 77. Some scholars say he said seven times 7D. So that would be what? 490. 490. Jesus, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. And then there's this other story that just, it just throws me off when I, when I think about it and I read it. It's in Matthew 20. Uh, and you can flip to it in your Bibles if you want. Matthew 20, it's the story about a landowner. And we'll throw the scripture on the screen, and you can follow me as I read along. And it says this, For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. 
he agreed to pay them a denarius. Now, a denarius was like a day's wage back then, uh, what an average day's wage would be for the day. And he sent them into his vineyard. And about nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing the same. He told them, you also go and, and go in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again and about noon, about three about noon and about three in the afternoon, he did the exact same thing. About five o'clock in the afternoon, he went out and he found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers in and let's pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. You would too. These who were hired last uh, worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the, the, the burden of the work and the heat of the day. I got to tell you, in this story, I am totally on the side of the workers here. I've been working all day long. I've been here since 6 in the morning, the first workers. And you're telling me you are paying the last hour workers the exact same thing as us? That makes no sense at all, Jesus. In fact, Yancey, uh, Philip Yancey is a writer. He says this, the boss's actions contradict everything known about employee motivation and fair compensation. It was atrocious economics, plain and simple. It's atrocious. What are you doing, Jesus? I mean, these guys, they, the reason they weren't up at 6 in the morning is because they were sleeping in or sleeping off something from the night before. And they're lazy and they're just showing up and they don't, they don't care and they don't. Why would you do this, Jesus? I don't know if you've ever heard a phrase come from your children's mouths before. It's a popular phrase. Uh, it's, it's a very simple phrase. That's not fair. Have you heard that before? I thought my kids were the only ones that said that. No? All right. We're together. We can bond parents over this. All right. And maybe your teachers, maybe you've heard that this week. That's not fair. That's not fair. Now, what are some circumstances they say this in? What context? Anything that comes to mind? Chores. That's not fair, Mom. She does less than me. The size of the pizza slice or the amount of ice cream or candy or you name it. That's not fair. Now, I think every kid has that somewhere in their DNA, uh, in them, and, and, and maybe, just maybe, we might still possess it as adults. I don't know. Uh, there was a Calvin and Hobbes uh, cartoon strip, and, and here it is. It says, why can't I stay up late? You guys, uh, you guys can. It's not fair. The world isn't fair, Calvin. I know, but why isn't it ever unfair in my favor? Why isn't it ever unfair in my favor? Have you ever thought that before? Maybe not out loud, because of course we're adults now. We don't say those kind of things. Uh, we just think them, right? We just think them. Why are people born with a silver spoon in their mouth? Why do they have this and I don't? Why are things always so unfair, not in my favor? There was a play uh, called 
uh, Amadeus. Has anybody ever seen that before? It was actually made into a movie uh, probably 20, 30 years ago. And the story is all about uh, mainly two characters. Uh, Mozart, uh, whose middle name is Amadeus, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and his amazing ability. He, he was just a genius, uh, if you know anything about Mozart. He was just an, an amazingly skilled musician, which I know nothing about. And the gentleman that's also in the, in the, the play is a, a man by the name of Antonio Solare. Remember in Solare, if you've ever seen it before? He is amazed, amazed by Wolfgang, uh, his, his talent and his abilities to just sit down on a piano and compose and, and things that he was able to do in his, his mind, just the, the, the genius of his mind. And it, it's this whole fictionized uh, story. And basically, at the beginning, he, he says this. He confesses to ki- having poisoned uh, Mozart and saying that he did it. He poisoned Mozart. And, and you, you see it all played out in that the reason why he was so internally upset at Mozart is this. As a very devout Catholic, he turned to God at many times as like, how could you possibly gift this guy? How could you possibly give this person who is a spoiled brat this kind of talent, God? How could you do that? Why would you waste it on a brat like that? Have you ever looked at anyone and said, why, God, did you give them the skills and the abilities and the looks and the this and the that. I even think about that sometimes in some of the scripture. Think about Samson. Samson, gifted with like Herculean strength, he wasn't really gifted in in self-control, was he? What What about Jacob? Jacob steals his brother's birthright. Esau, who used to work, and he was the hard worker Esau was, but was he blessed with it? No, Jacob was. Jesus You're giving a criminal on the cross a last-minute deathbed confession, and he gets to go to paradise? That doesn't seem very fair, God. He didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it at all. This parable is so difficult because there's something inside of me, there's something inside of us that says, you know what? If you want something in life, you work hard for it, you earn it, Those who work for things get things. That's how things work in this world. That's how fair should work, right? That's what fair looks like. But this parable is not about fair. When I was in the eighth grade, actually, to start off the story, last week I I had a flashback. Uh, I was at a wedding, and uh, the wedding, they had dancing uh, at the wedding. And I was sitting there watching, you know, there was just the different wedding dancing songs. They tried to get everybody out there kind of, kind of stuff. And I had a flashback to eighth grade. In the eighth grade, I had, we had dances in the eighth grade. Did you have dances in the eighth grade? It was a big deal for us, okay, uh, before homecoming and prom and, and all those things. In South Carolina, we had the eighth grade dance. And uh, everybody knew about it. We all looked forward to it, going that direction. Uh, some people even rented limousines and other things. Uh, I know it's eighth grade. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what happened. Um, and uh, there was a girl in my class, and we were super close. We were very close friends. And one day, about, uh, it was about a month before the eighth grade dance, she comes to me, and she asked me, her name's Krista, she asked me if, if I would go with her to the eighth grade dance. And, and as, honestly, the internal conversation was, There is a girl that I really, 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 really like. Her name is Olivia. And Olivia was going out with another person. His name was Sterling. And so I said, well, Olivia's going out with Sterling. 
yes, Krista, I will go with you to the eighth grade dance. I didn't think that there was an, an, an other options there. That's kind of what I was going through in my mind. I know, I was a, I'm a different person now. I've changed. Uh, and I said, absolutely, let's go to the, the eighth grade dance. And uh, plans started to be made for that. And then a week before, one week before the dance, guess what happened? Olivia and Sterling broke up. They broke up. It was all God. He made it happen. They broke up. <laughs> and I was just having this moment, yes, you provided this blessing. And so I saw my opportunity. And, oh, Olivia, I'm so sorry uh, to hear about your breakup. I don't know how I said it back. I didn't even talk. What do you, what do you say in the eighth grade? I don't know. But I came up to her and basically said, you know what? It doesn't look like you're going with anybody now to the eighth grade dance. Would you want to go with me? And she says, yes. And I call Krista that night. Krista, you're not going to believe it. Olivia broke up with Sterling. And, and now I get to go, you know how much I've liked Olivia all this time, and, and, and I'm going to go with her, and, and it'll be great. You can, you, I'll see you there, you know, and, and, and we'll have a great time, and, and I'll just meet you there. Yeah, 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 you know. And, and her reaction on the phone, there wasn't much talking, to be honest. I remember it very clearly. All I could hear was just, just the sobbing sound in the phone, and all she said was, okay, okay, if that's what you want. I was a jerk. So I go to the dance. I go to the dance and I take Olivia and it's gonna be the greatest night ever. I get to the dance and something happens right when we get there. Sterling is there, of course, with no one. And immediately, Sterling and Olivia reconnect. They reconnect. And so what happens then is Olivia and Sterling spend the next entire night dancing together and I am just sitting there in a corner and watching everything. And just, it suddenly just hits me like a ton of bricks as I'm sitting there in the corner. You are an idiot. You are a fool. I cannot believe that you've done this. And then I see across the room Krista, and she has a beautiful dress on. And she's alone. And she would wander from person to person in, in groups. And she looked like she was having a good time. And I just thought, oh, what a terrible person I am. And I just sat in the chair, and just my head down, listening to music. I'm sure it was like Diamonds and Pearl, Pearls by Prince, or what was popular, Good Vibrations, or something. I just wanted the night to be over. And as my head was down, and I remember this clearly, she came over and just suddenly stood over me, her being Krista. I felt her shadow around me. And I looked up and made eye contact with her. And in that moment, I thought for sure, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. She's going to say it. She's going to say it. How does that feel? How does that feel, sucker? But that's not what she said. She just reached her hand out, and she said, do you want to dance? That's all she said. Do you want to dance? And I said, Absolutely. Absolutely. What I, I learned that night, and I've thought about that night several times, and you maybe have heard me, heard me tell that story, is that, you know what? I don't want what I deserve, and I don't want what's even fair, because that's not what grace is. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. It's something that's not fair. It's something, and, and a common definition is God's unmerited favor. 
on us. It's undeserved, it's unearned, and it's unfair. And what I think God wants us to do is to lean into his grace. It's not something that we can work for. It can't be reduced simply into accounting principles. In the bottom line realm of ungrace, some workers deserve more than others. But in the realm of grace, the word deserve does not even apply. Because do you really want what you you deserve? I don't want what I deserve. My sin and the list is long. God tells us the wages of sin, the punishment, the, what you deserve for your sin is death. And confessionally, I don't think it's just talking about death in the end. I think there are deaths that we experience. There are p- difficult places here on earth, deaths of relationships and friendships and, and different things that we experience right here. And that's the wages of, of our sin. But God, he wants to rescue us. We talked about that rescue uh, last week. And that's what's so amazing about it. And I love it that it's not earned, that God's given it to us as a, as a gift from him. Let's get back to that story. What was the story at the end? It's, he says, back to the, the vineyard. He answered them, the landowner, when they said, what are you doing? This isn't, what are you, I can't believe you paid them the same amount. He answered one of them, am I not, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Remember the beginning of the story? The workers who were hired in the morning, I guarantee you, when they got the call, would you come and work for me? They absolutely were thankful for that. They had a, a, a way to help their family to pay for food and, and shelter. What a, a grateful moment. Yes, I would love to work for you. But what changed for them? It changed when they started to look at other people instead of being grateful for the one that was giving them the blessing in the first place. Keep going. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give you the one, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to with my own money? And here's the question that's been on me all week. Or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Here was the beauty of God's grace is that God's grace is generous. He is a generous God. And sometimes that means he's not fair because generosity isn't, isn't giving what is deserved. It's going beyond that and giving us what we don't deserve. And what robs us of that sometimes is envy. When we look around at others and say, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. God is a generous and a gracious God. He is not tight-fisted but he is open-handed. When you look at God's grace and the characteristics of who he he is throughout Scripture, these are the words that are used. Wonderfully kind in Romans 2, tolerant and patient with you. In 1 Timothy 1.14, he says this, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says this, there's an overflowing quality to God's grace. It's generous, it's overflowing. I love Max Lucado's writing. He's like a, he's a poet with the way he speaks. And he says this, God's grace is like Niagara Falls. And you're sitting there with a Dixie cup trying to catch it. That's how great it is. We have a generous God. So I guess the question I have for us is this, and the question I've had for myself, if I'm following Jesus and I'm trying to be like Christ, and, and if I think that if I get grace by meaning get it, I understand it, 
Am I a generous person? Am I a generous person? Are you a generous person? That's the question for us today. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to this unfair grace of God? C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I I heard a story this week about a, a young girl who grew up in Traverse City. Am I saying that wrong? Tra- Traverse. I tried. Sorry, Mission, Mission Ganders. Mis- who comes up with these words? Mission, Gander- Mission Ganders? Okay, there we go. Traverse City. I asked. I tried. Uh, in Traverse City, a girl grew up there, and uh, she grew up with uh, parents who she really viewed as being, compared to the other parents, just kind of conservative and maybe a little old-fashioned, and uh, they had some rules and things that other parents didn't have uh, around her. And they, when she became a teenager, they began to, to have conflict over some of these things, like, why can't I wear certain skirts that are a little shorter, or listen to certain kinds of music? And this would cause some tension within the family. And one night after multiple, you know, groundings and, and trying to, to help this young lady she runs to her room, slams the door, and she just screams out, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And that night, she put into action a plan that she'd been thinking about for a long time. I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. I'm going to go to Detroit. They'll never look for me in Detroit. She'd been there once before. The youth group went to a baseball game, a Tigers game there. Uh, years before, about four hours away, and so she got on a bus, and she, she went to Detroit, and uh, she just ran away from it all. While she was there, she was there for about a day. She was trying to take in the city. There was a, a gentleman that noticed her, and he said, wow, you're here in the city. Let me buy you lunch. I've got some connections. Let me find a place for you to stay. She was immediately overwhelmed by his, his charm. And she followed him and, and got into a crowd that was there. Everyone there in that, this little crowd, they referred to him as boss. He had one of the biggest cars he, she had ever seen before. And after a month, the boss introduced her some, to some pills that made her feel like she had never felt before. A month goes by, two months goes by, and, and the boss begins to show her some tricks that guys like. And guys around that area where she was at, they would pay extra for underage girls, which she was. One thing leads to another, and, and she's just engulfed in this world. And things seemed okay at first. This was much different than the small city lifestyle that she was living in. And her parents' life just seemed boring compared to where she was. She was in a penthouse. She was ordering room service whenever she wanted. A year went by of this. One day she sees a a milk carton with her picture on the milk carton. Have you seen her? Have you seen this young lady? She was a little nervous at first when she saw that, but looking at the picture, it looked nothing like her. Her hair was a different color. The amount of makeup that she had, the clothes that she wore, she looked nothing like a little girl anymore. And the people that she was hanging out with, they certainly wouldn't squeal on her. People in that, that circle didn't squeal on each other. At the end of the year, she begins to, to see the effects of, of a, an illness that she had, she had contracted. And the boss man, he said, you know what? 
we just can't take any chances, and you're going to have to go. And she goes out to the streets of Detroit and is trying to just make her way. She would turn a few tricks each night, but they didn't pay as well. And so she was just getting enough to feed her habit that she had at the time, which led her to cold street corners in the winters of Detroit, just trying to stay warm. And suddenly one night, as she was just trying to to keep warm behind an old department store, she felt less like a, a, a woman of the world and more like a little child, which she, she was. She began to think about home, about throwing a tennis ball and seeing her, her dog run through the, the cherry blossom trees and come back with the, the, the tennis ball. What if I could go back home? What if I could go back? That dog eats better than I eat right now. So she decides to do it. She gets her courage up. She makes a phone call. She calls once to the house. She calls twice, answer machine every time. Finally, she leaves a message and says, Mom, Dad, I'm really thinking about coming home. I'm going to get on a bus. I'm going to head to uh, the city, and they're going to stop. And if you're there, then I'll get off. But if not, I, I guess I'll just keep going to Canada. She boards the bus. The bus trip's about seven hours the whole way there, she begins to think about the holes in her plan. What if they didn't hear the message? What if they heard the message and they're not there? What if they heard the message and they don't care? What if they went out of town? She, she gets there, and then the trip just seems longer and longer. She's winding through these questions in her mind and, and the what ifs. And she thinks, okay, if, if, he, if he is there, if they are there, I'm, I will just apologize and, and, and say that I'm sorry and just hope for the best. The bus driver stops, says, 15 minutes. We have 15 minutes at this stop. She looks in the mirror, and she sees in the way that she looks, the rings under her eyes, and she tries her best to, to fix herself up. She wonders if her parents won't, will notice the tobacco stains in her fingertips She takes a breath, and she walks off the bus, and she sees something. She she rehearsed a thousand times what the scene might be. Would there be anybody there at all? But what she sees, she could not prepare herself for, as there are 40-plus people, uncles, brothers, grandmothers, cousins, and they're all wearing these terribly goofy party hats. And they all make, have those noisemakers. And when she walks off the bus, they erupt in celebration. And there's a sign. And it says, welcome home. Welcome home. And the, and the crowd just begins to part. And there's her father. And he doesn't stand there in the crowd. He runs to her. He runs to her, and he throws his arms around her. And she says, Dad, Dad, I'm, and he can't even get the first word out. And he says, hush, hush, baby. There's a party, and we have to get there. God it just lavishes his grace and his mercy on us. That's what he does for us. There's a story that Eddie Tell, told a couple of weeks ago about a king. And maybe you know this story. The king uh, 
there's a servant that owes what the Bible describes as basically a million dollar debt, or that the servant does, and the servant can't pay it, and the king says this, well, they need to go to prison because they can't pay it. And, and the, the man, he just begs, pegs, please, please, I'll work for it. I'll work and pay it off. And what does the king do? He says, it's okay, your debt's forgiven. Go. The man walks out. And what happens to this man? He sees someone who owes him just a few bucks. And he grabs him by the throat and says, you owe me. You owe me. This is what I deserve. But I don't have it. I don't have it throws the guy in prison, has the, has the, 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 the cops called on, on the guy. What happens? The, the, the cop, the, the, the cop tells the, the king, and the king says, what? I forgave you such a large debt, and you can't forgive this, this, this fellow servant, a small one? You now owe the entire debt. Now, I've thought about it, and I've heard that story hundreds and hundreds of times. I think this is the reason why. Why did he do that? Why did he not forgive the, the, the fellow servant? It's because that he didn't receive the mercy and the grace when he was with the king the first time. He walked out of the palace acting as if I pulled one over on him. I pulled one over on him. I took advantage of the king. He didn't receive the mercy and the grace that God, or the, the king, which is, is God in the story. He didn't receive it. God is, our response to God's generosity to us is to show extravagant mercy to others. Our response to God's generous grace and mercy for us should be to, to exchange it and to, to share it with other people. Another response we should have to this, this generosity, if we want to be generous like God, we need to, to respond to him in a, in a different way as well. And, and Luke 7, there's another story about just the incredible math of, 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 of Jesus. He's invited over to Simon's house, Simon the Pharisee. And when he comes in, he's at a dinner and he's reclining at the table and suddenly this woman comes in and she is, she's a sinner. We don't know what her sin is, but she's a sinner. And suddenly she begins to wash Jesus' feet with oil. Do you remember that? And with her tears and with her hair, she washes Jesus' feet. And there's a rumble in the crowd at this dinner. Obviously, Jesus doesn't know who he's dealing with here. This woman, she's a sinner. I can't believe Jesus would allow this to happen. And Jesus begins to tell a story, and basically asks Simon a question. It's this. If a man owed 500, I don't remember what the, the coinage was. If he owed $500,000, and another man owed $50, and they both were forgiven the debts, who would love the person more? And of course, Simon says, the, the man with 50,000 would love the person more. Exactly. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as great as her great love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little loves little. When you're a pastor, what you do, I teach you this, is that you put yourself in the story. You try to, it, 
try to envision yourself as being a person in the story, I think sometimes that we're Simon in that story. And we don't think that we owe much, but we owe everything. And our response to God, we invite him into our lives, but we don't thank him. We don't even, as the story describes, we don't even acknowledge his presence. So to respond to God's generosity, we should be, by, by being generous with our praise for God and his creation, that's how we can respond to it. We can be generous with our praise to God. We can thank God. How do you do that? You thank him all the time. Not just when we come on Sunday mornings and we sing songs, but we do it all the time. God, thank you so much for the gifts that you've given. Thank you for the job. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Because can we be honest for a second? If we want things fair, the world is not fair. And God has blessed us immensely just by living in this place. And we have so much to be grateful for. Can I give you a little warning that tags with that? The further away from the time that you gave your heart and your life to Jesus, the less appreciative you become. The less that you think your debt is or was. And this is the best way that we can break the grips of envy in our our heart is by, by thanking God. Stinginess is, uh, is, is not exactly a great quality, is it? It's definitely not a quality that God has called us to have. Stingy Christian, it just kind of seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Are you generous with the blessings that God has given us? I think he wants us to be generous in tangible ways to other people. So here's the, the challenge of the week. I've given you the responses are this for, th- for this word today. Be generous in mercy and grace, Okay. So maybe there's somebody you need to show mercy for in your life. Be generous in praise in the way that you praise God. And let's just tag this one on. Maybe praise God's creation as well and created things as well. People in your life is a a good response and a generous response. Here's the third thing. Be generous in tangible ways. How can we do that? How can you do that? Challenge this week, and I hope that we have stories next Sunday. I want you to do something ridiculously generous this week, okay? If you go out to eat and maybe you get bad service, okay, I want you to give a tip three times that you have ever given before, okay? But they didn't deserve it. They didn't do it. That's the point. That's the point. I want you to buy something for someone at Starbucks or see a couple at a, a restaurant and I want you to buy their meal. I want you maybe if you see someone... And I want God to work in your heart this week. Maybe you see someone on the side of the road and you don't just hand them some money or, or maybe a, a, a graced bag, but you go to Outback and you buy a steak meal and you give it to them. Why? Because that's what grace is. It's generous. It's not necessarily what we deserve, right? Right? So what tangible way can you do it? Maybe it's something like giving an hour of your time because your time is more valuable than anything. Who could you give an hour to this week that would be a blessing to them and do something extraordinary for someone else? Who could you give something to? Because I think, here's the deal. If if you don't get God's generosity, if you don't understand that he's been generous to you, then you will be stingy you will not forgive and withhold mercy. 
and withhold blessing. But if you get this, and, and I hope that you do, I hope that you do, you'll open your hand and give to others as well. Let's pray. God, you're good to us. Thank you for our time together. Uh, Lord, I pray that there's, I've heard this word all my life, uh, grace, and God, I just admit sometimes I hear things and I hear some of the same things and I, I think that I get it and I don't know if I always do, Lord. God, I pray that you would help me and my friends this week to really lean into your generosity. Lord, I pray for the person that's here today that, that doesn't believe it, that thinks that you are a stingy God, that thinks that you are a God that, that doesn't care, that thinks you're a God that's closed fist, that thinks that as they look around their life, they don't have any blessings or they don't have this or that. Maybe internally they've been just saying, my life isn't fair. God, I just pray that you would just overwhelm that person today. Lord, overwhelm them with your love and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would help them to know in their heart, deep within their soul, that you are a good, good father that you are a God that loves, that cares. You are the God that shows up at bus stations with signs, with hugs. You overwhelm us with your mercy and your grace. God, we know that we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I can do to earn it. God, the only thing that I can do is say thank you and try to be like you. God, help me to be like you in every situation. Lord, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would just put a smack down on us this week and help us to loosen up our hands to others, to loosen up our pockets to others. Lord, I pray that you would help us to share what you have shared with us. God, I pray that we would be consumed by grace. Lord, we couldn't take our minds off of it. Lord, we thank you daily, maybe hourly. Lord, throughout our day, Lord, we just would think about what you've done for us and we would rejoice in that. God, we would, we would praise you in our actions, in our, in our eyes, in our voices, and we'd reciprocate that to others, Lord, and it would be infectious that others would see our lives and go, what in the world? How could they act like that? How could they give like that? How could they be like that? And we will point right back at you and say it's because of the one that has saved us, not by anything that we've done, but by grace, grace. Thank God for grace. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Would you sing with us as a response?